Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander, joined by Mike Morandi and Dave Glenn. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. And joining us live from the internet is a special guest co-host, Sharon Mayo. Sharon, say hello to our digital audience. Hello to the digital audience. Um, and this is, a, this, is a big, uh, this is a big moment for us because uh, Sharon chastised, uh, chastised me for being the whitest, malest podcast on the internet. Which is kind of our <laughs> selling point, I think. So we brought on not only a female... But a Filipino as well, I believe. So, and a film major. Wait, there's two Tish people here? Sorry. <laughs> and, a, and, and a film major. Sharon, tell us a little bit about your background. Um, let's see. Uh, I went to NYU. I wanted to be a music video director. That's no longer the case. Now I just teach AVID, which is this um, editing program to um, television shows or films or news stations. Which is very exciting. This is just a short way of saying <laughs> that Sharon is in the business, ladies and gentlemen. That sounded a little sarcastic to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and on today's episode, we are going to be talking about Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange, a, uh, a classic Kubrick film. And this is actually uh, 15 years since Stanley Kubrick's death, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of fitting that we are paying tribute to him as a filmmaker. Um, and uh, does anyone want to try to give the plot of this movie a go? Mike, you're... Maybe you're better at summarizing this summarizing this than me. I actually think our star summarizer here is Dave. Oh Dave well, Dave, we'll give it a shot. Give it a shot. If you can't handle it, I'll, I'll take it over. No, I, I, yeah. So, A Clockwork Orange. Uh, it's a movie that takes place in a dystopian future. All right, never mind. I got we all we all know. <laughs> we all like that word, uh, right? Dystopian how future. How about I'll do it? You guys sound like this is a difficult task. No, it's just, it's just banter. Well, well, let me give it, yeah, let's, you are a guest. I think you should Sharon, what's the plot of a clockwork Um, The plot's about uh, a young man named Alex, and he loves raping people, well, I guess women, and ultra-high violence. He gets caught and the government rewires his brain, and the whole movie is about, you know, morality. You know, do we want to get rid of crime, or should people have free will? That was pretty good. That was succinct. Yeah, I'll that's take a very, that. Yeah. Okay, it was okay. So <laughs> acceptable. It was acceptable. So now what we're going to do is um, this is a pretty famous film, actually, just both because of its subject matter, because it was so controversial when it was first released, as well as the fact that Stanley Kubrick is a very famous filmmaker that only made a very you know, select canon of films. Like, he would spend years working on movies. So um, we'll go round robin, uh, starting with Mike, finishing with, sh- I guess, me. and th- So Mike, Dave, and then Sharon, and then me, talking about both our familiarity with Kubrick and our initial thoughts on rewatching this film. Mike, you never saw this film to begin with, did you? <laughs> <laughs> you hadn't seen it nope. before? Okay. No, I've, I've not seen it before. I haven't so, seen it. I, to be honest, I don't think I've seen any Kubrick films. So. Oh, really? Wow. I know, I know, I know. I'm going to leave the podcast. It's my last, my last night, actually. So. Okay, well. Um, no, I mean, these are all films I've, like uh, Full Metal Jacket I've always wanted. I mean, it's a bunch I've been wanting to see for a long time, never never did. Um, um, yes, yeah, disturbing. I, I kind of knew I was in for something. I didn't really know what I was in for. Um, and I think I was actually surprised that the majority of the movie is not him in his full get-up with the eyeliner and the hat. Like, I felt like that was a very small portion of the film, and it was actually more of the first, about first a, third, I'd say. Yeah, act. right, exactly, the first third of it, and then it kind of goes into all the prison stuff. So I was actually a little surprised that that was uh, 
it's so iconic, but I feel like it's such a short, and I feel like it's almost less about that, more about morality and, and philosophy. So not as much about costumes. No, right, yeah. Which I mean, but, I, but to be fair, I feel like costumes play a major role in the movie. Sure. I think as, as do the sets, as does the cinematography. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't, I don't, I didn't love it. I'll tell you that. I didn't, I didn't, I, I finished and I was like, all right, I'm going to have to figure out what that meant. Okay, great. Um, hmm. The, and I think the stance the film is taking is it's essentially saying it's better for us to be able to choose right and wrong than not be able to. But, and I, I would agree with that, I think in theory, but then I think when you actually kind of see it, I, I was much less disturbed by him being unable to fight back or commit commit crime or I was much more disturbed in the beginning when they're going around you know raping and beating people up and all that stuff so it's kind of a and I don't think for me anyway I don't think it really made its case all that well but we can talk about it in a bit Dave, Dave you wanna... now Dave famously wrote a book report on this movie <laughs> no 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 I wrote a book report on the book Oh, I thought you watched the movie and wrote a book report. No, 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 no. no. Um, I watched the movie, then I read the book. In high school? Then I wrote a book in high school. So yeah. uh, you have some familiarity with this film. What did you think of it then? What do you think of it now? And uh, what do you think of Kubrick in general? Okay, well, uh, I've... I'm, you know, I'm film film uh, lover. So of course, anyone who's a real film lover loves Kubrick. I mean, you have to love at least Thanks, a couple. Thank I'm you, sorry. Dave. Well, I, I, mean, I do appreciate that. No, it's, it's good. I enjoy being here. Um, yeah. So I think my history with Kubrick starts out with 2001. Like a lot of people my generation, uh, 2001 uh, was kind of closely connected to Star Wars, where it was a. I didn't quite uh, see. 2001 and Star Wars is the same movie, but since it was a space movie, I figured I should see it, and then I got to love it over time, and then I, that was probably when I was much younger, uh, before high school, and uh, and The Clockwork Orange is one that I started, when I started binging on on, on famous movies that I had read about, I, I knew what movies had been nominated for what Oscars in various years over the past decades, and I knew that A Clockwork Orange had been nominated for a lot, so I said, well, I gotta, I gotta see this one. And, um, <clears throat> So uh, I probably rented it when I was at the uh, very impressionable age of 15 or 16. and Whoa. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's the kind of movie I think that uh, has a very different effect on you when you're a teenager. Um, and uh, not that I watched it and said, oh, i got to go out and beat people up and rape and whatever. I mean, I, you know, I, I saw it and uh, I think the, uh, the, the, the thing that I took from the movie was that uh, – there's like an inner kind of devil in everybody <laughs> and uh it's good to let that inner kind of uh, wicked side out to a certain extent um so <laughs> i mean it's you know really and, i mean yeah, so i mean i mean anyone who's a fan of you know the rolling stones or rock you know rock or you know if, if you or crime if, if you find or if you're a fan of right, crime too if, if you find uh violence and horror movies and action films and that kind of stuff cathartic in any way then you understand a little bit of where of, of some of the point of this movie and and that is that um that you know there's a kind of this inner um I don't want to, devil is the wrong word, right? There's, there's like a, there's a bad side of us. There's like a Inner human, evil. human nature can be potentially uh, destructive and evil. And, um, uh, you know, I found, I, 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 it seems like what they were showing this movie from the point of view of Alex and therefore the movie makes violence and all this other stuff that happens uh, seem a little joyous. Uh, you know, it's, it could be the Beethoven music playing, uh, throughout the movie, but uh, I remember seeing this movie and 
I'm kind of rambling on here. I remember seeing this and thinking, wow, this movie is awesome. Uh, I didn't quite understand why. I didn't really wasn't old enough to really understand the um, how some people could be so disturbed by it, although I did know that there was a lot of disturbing elements to it. Um, but of course, watching it later later on, I, I've seen it many I've seen it a few times since I was a teenager. Um, and definitely seeing it now, I have a different impression of it than I, I did then. I see it more, uh, this is going to sound strange, but I see it more um, of a, as a, a comedy now. Uh, it's more of a, of a, it's definitely a satire. I mean, that's very clear. Uh, everything is very uh, over the top. Everything is very, um, you know, the, from the lensing to the style of acting to uh, the, dial, the dialogue. Everything is just very over the top and purposefully, purposefully so. Um, so my opinion of this movie is I think it holds up as a classic. I think, I think this is a great movie. I, I think there's no doubt that there's a reason that this movie has been watched by many generations. Um, so I, I think I'd like to hear what someone else has to say. Okay. So Sharon, being that you have the best film education out of all of us here, let's just throw it out there. Um, what is your thoughts on this movie? And also, what is your thoughts watching it uh, from a female perspective, considering this movie is very much a male-centric movie, um, both in its characters and um, what it's, the type of violence it's glorifying and the uh, acts of horror against women and such. So, Sharon, take it away. That is a loaded question. I know. That's a lot uh, of questions. That's good. That's good <laughs> well, uh, my experience with The Clockwork Orange is I saw it in my early 20s right out of film school. And I'm like David. I loved it. I thought it was amazing. I think Kubrick's amazing. Um, so you have two Kubernetes on this podcast well, <laughs> until we hear Ivan. Um, but I actually I have not seen his earlier work. I've only seen A Clockwork Orange and, and on. So I haven't seen 2001. I haven't seen Lolita. I haven't seen Doctor Strange Love, which people say is a crime. So oh, I've only I've seen, seen Doctor Strange Love. Oh, good. Nice. All right. Sorry <laughs> oh, so you beat me there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've seen A Clockwork seen Orange. Uh, the I Shining, recommend I've seen Glory. Full Metal Jacket. I and like I the killing saw... or a killing. Yeah, but continue, sorry. Continue. Oh, oh, and um, I saw Eyes Wide Shut in the theater, which is the only Kubrick movie I've seen in the theater. Same Which here. is how it should be seen. <laughs> um, but as a woman, I guess, is um, one of the things I was really impressed by, and this is going to sound really odd, was that the rape was so horrific because they kind I think they kind of hold back in other movies about rape. Like, oh, you know, he just like kind of, it's really horrific in this movie. Like they're showing um, an actor really versus something that's, yeah. Horrific this movie. Yeah, I feel really, I wonder about the actresses. Like, did they need to go into therapy after those sessions? Because they, it looks really horrendous um and when i saw it it was what uh, i want to say in the late 90s 1999 2001 maybe so when we're talking um, about the rape we're, we're talking about 19... one we're, we're talking about the uh, scene where he's singing in the rain and we're, we're talking about that particular scene is that right uh no i'm talking about both rapes there's one in the in the, the singing right. uh, in the rain rape right. and then the well i guess he he really doesn't rape that other woman, the one with the big penis. Right. Um, That's murder. <laughs> that was still pretty horrific. Yeah. He does smash well, her the head the with a really penis. Well, the really interesting thing... Yeah, he has, smashes her head with a big penis. The really Most interesting the thing is that he the can theater, get... In the beginning, the very beginning, like one of the first two couple scenes when the, his rival gang right. is a woman in like the abandoned theater. So there's like there's three at least. Right. Right. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, 
Well, what I was going to say was that back in, you know, when I was watching this, I was like, this was done in the 1970s. And you really rarely see anything as horrifying as this film, uh, which I think is good. And I also know that the author wrote this because his own wife got assaulted. Hmm. So it, I didn't he know, was, that. was a, I didn't know that either. That's interesting. Anthony Burgess. Based yeah. On yeah, Anthony Burgess. Uh, it was under a pen name, something else. But he, his wife was uh, assaulted so much that she had a miscarriage. And he's like a straight-up Christian. Hmm. So he wrote it as a Christian should be able to forgive like even the worst acts imaginable. And hmm. that was this, wow. this story to confront that. And I thought that was really have interesting. You, I thought, have you read it? I have not. I have okay. not. I just like I'd be to. Curious, I don't feel like that was really. I don't feel like that was like kind of the the, the messaging of it. Uh, me anyway, I didn't think so. I'd be curious. I think there's ways well. you can infer that, but I mean, yeah. We'll, we'll get yeah. It. Sorry, no. Karen, go ahead. Oh, that's okay. Um, and the only other thing is that when I was in film school, everyone had either a poster of that <laughs> Jack yeah. Nicholson, The Shining, Here's yeah. Johnny, mm-hmm. or they had uh, the one of. Uh, uh, um, Alex with mm-hmm. the, the played by Malcolm McDowell. The hat, yeah, right. Which that that's amazing nowadays because he's like he's I love him in anything he's in. He's like a really awesome B actor. Well, right. I guess well he's in a lot of B action movies. He's been a very prolific actor over the past yeah. forty years. Yeah, I uh, my niece um, watches the AT and T commercial he's in when he says totes my goats or that's great great, <laughs> and now she. She won't stop at talking about Toots and my goats, and uh, I'm like, dude, <laughs> you know what movie this guy's been in. So, um, but I come off from I love the movie. I think there's you know definite flaws this time around, but I think he has done a lot of different things that um, paved the way for better works to come along. Okay, so this is an interesting movie in revisiting it for me. I've seen it. I think this is like the third time I've seen it um, all the way through. Uh, it's not my favorite Kubrick movie, but I think it might be his most interesting or most bold stylistically. Um, I think it's very compelling to watch. Um, in rewatching it this time around, like Dave, I was surprised at how funny it is or all the uh, very over-the-top comedic elements. Uh, the movie is very much a comedy with a very dark... It's a very, very, very dark comedy is how I would classify the film. Um, in terms of the movie's message about what it's trying to say about society and whether we can control people, I think that comes through. That being said, I think the movie has flaws. I think that the first half of the movie is much stronger than the second half. I think it loses a lot of momentum once he gets out of his treatment. I think the movie kind of deflates a bit. Um, And I think it starts to drag. I think the first 30 minutes is very compelling, and I don't know what that says about me as a viewer that I'm very interested in seeing all the old ultra-violence and all that kind of stuff, but I think that Alex as a character is far more interesting because it's this idea of youthful rebellion that cannot be, um, that is not being tamed. Like, it's youthful uh, rebellion to the extreme without any limits, and um, I think that idea is very interesting. And uh, another small criticism I can get to is, I, I as, as good as Malcolm Adele is in this movie, and I think he's quite good, I wish he was younger. I wish the, the actor playing him, I wish it was a 15-year-old Malcolm McDowell and not, you know, a guy who looks like he's in his mid-20s, because I think that it makes that idea of teen rebellion without limits even more interesting. Uh, but uh, maybe that's just me. <laughs> Does anyone else want to kind of go over in more specific flaws of the movie before we start getting into more of the deep message of the film? 
<laughs> You're looking at me. Um, well, let's see. Flaws of the movie. Uh, I mean, it, it, well, that's strange because I wouldn't call this a flawless movie. Um, I, I would say there's one. There's probably one giant moral flaw with the movie, and that is that you can look at this movie and think that it, it does take the side of um, it does take kind of an immoral position, right? I mean, immoral we're in, in, in a moral position. Okay. Amoral, sure. Um, where immoral you know means not moral. Amoral means not having morals. Right. Well, it takes it. It, it almost takes you know. It, you know, the thesis of the movie, obviously, I think we all agree, is that uh, it's better to have choice uh, as opposed to being forced to be a good person, which is a very totalitarian uh, kind of view of the world. So you could say this movie supports uh, a democratic capitalist view of the world, perhaps. Um, And uh, I think that, I mean, you could look at this movie and say, well, um, yes, it's nice that he gets to choose to be bad. Um, but I also would like to not be murdered or raped. <laughs> right. I mean, I so, think, I, I, so I mean, it's 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 a tricky it's a tricky um, it's a tricky thesis the movie is is presenting. But I think that um, I think that a lot of things um, kind of overcome that that kind of core flaw with with that argument. And I think that the humor and I think uh, definitely McDowell's performance. I think you. I mean, we, I know that Gene Hackman won Best Actor that year, but I think that uh, without a doubt, this was probably the performance of that year, um, one of the probably the best of all time, I would say, in my opinion. Um, but uh, uh, kind of rambling on here. <laughs> Just to report back, Sharon's eyes got very wide at that comment. So. When, when I said what? Oh, you saw that? <laughs> I'm looking at you on my webcam. Wait, what, what was Sharon? No, I'm like, I do not think that was the best performance ever of that year. I definitely think Gene Hackman deserved that. Do you think, you thought Gene Hackman deserved for, for a French Connection over uh, McDowell for this movie? Oh yeah, I, I definitely. I mean, I'm a huge Gene Hackman fan. I mean, I and I love the French Connection, but I think that um, you know, you look back. Uh, I mean, there's, there are certain performances that are so iconic that I think. I mean, Popeye Doyle. No offense. I mean. Great character, iconic performance, but uh, I think I would have given it to McDowell in a, in, a, in a landslide. McDowell wasn't even nominated. Though. I know, I know, he wasn't Jeez. nominated. That's crazy. Because I think it's actually a pretty <laughs> compelling performance. Well, Sharon, I got it. What are your issues with this performance? Because now I got to know. Well, I I don't know if it's because I think my problem with it it's a little over the top, and um, I mean you really don't see. I, I just feel like there are more tormented performances than this one. And I, you know, I don't know. I, mean, just, I, you know, it's, I, it's, I guess my, my problem is I can see acting sometimes. And when you can see it sometimes, I think there's a problem slightly with the performance. I think he's the perfect guy for the part, don't get me wrong. And maybe he's told to overact a little bit. But, I mean, it wasn't like I was there and, you know, I feel like compelling performances I'm like I, I can't stop watching him and I could I could and that might be a problem with the pacing not I'll necessarily say, McDowell, this, yeah, but I think I think I was emotionally gripped in the first half I think before he goes to prison from that point forward 
I lost the emotional connection to him as a character and really to the, to the story for the most part. Okay, I'm, I I'm feel gonna, like I'm, maybe I'm going to jump in here and just defend this the second because sounds like no, but nobody's willing to defend the second half of this movie, and I'm going to defend the second half of this movie. In fact, I, one of my notes that I took where I actually said a, a classic movie needs a great ending, and I think this movie does have a great ending. I'm not talking about the ending. I'm talking about like leading up to that at that point. I think like just the him. I, it's the pacing, Sharon. Like you just said, that I think everything moves so much slower. There's scenes where I feel like they're milking the scene where he's with his parents, and mm-hmm. like they look. I'm like, all right, I could have been cut down to like half the time. Um, I think that's on purpose, though, from Kubrick. I think the beginning is supposed to be fantastical, mm-hmm. and it's the way we see it through his eyes. Like everything is, you know, really art, and then. And once he goes through that brain thing, you know, everything's kind of drab and boring and like, I got to deal with this. And, you know, it's the same set, painful. though. I feel like it's, it, I, don't, I don't think it, cinematography is much different. When I, you say the know. brain thing, are you talking about the, um, Ludovico the, 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 Ludo, the yeah, brainwashing? Ludo. Right. So we should, we, yeah, we should get more specific about that because for me, I mean, that's one of the most amazing and memorable parts of the movie is that central section where you, you, uh, where, you see the treatment, you know. Actually, okay, yeah, I will. I, I mean, the treatment itself, I think, is is very compelling. I think, like the scene where he's strapped in the chair mm-hmm. and he's essentially he's kind of crying. The guy's dripping tears into his eyes, well, essentially he's keeping his eyes uh, well wet, moisture, right? Moist. But he but they're coming right out of his eyes. It looks like right. he's crying, which is appropriate. Right. He may well as may has may as well have been seeing his Beethoven songs getting basically destroyed, right? And knowing what's happening as it's happening, like he's he knows that it's you know. Well, we should say what's happening there. So he's so he's in prison. He's 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 caught. He's in prison, and uh, in this uh, satirical dystopian future, there is a technique called the Ludovico technique that is essentially brainwashing. They they sit, they inject the drug into him that makes him sick. He sits down and watches lots of violent crap, you know, movies and whatever. And they just coincidentally are playing Beethoven on the soundtrack. He's a, he that's basically his one redeeming quality. I would say is that he yeah. has this in, intense love for for Beethoven. Uh, in classical music, and uh, didn't so anyone I, find that kind of odd about his character? That I liked it. Liked- I mean, I thought I, I felt like there was something. Like he just David just said it was like the one, the one redeeming thing. You're like, all right, at least he has an appreciation for something. It's, right, it's almost of like the he finer was the things. original hipster. Right, like he, <laughs> yeah. he has a genuine he's a genuine love for Beethoven. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like even then that scene in the milk bar when the woman is singing, he mm-hmm. actually like. Hits his friend for being mm-hmm. a jackass. Like, stop right. something. He's in the mm-hmm. presence of something beautiful, and he recognizes that. Right. Like, I kind of, I could, I could understand that character more. I could relate mm-hmm. to him more at that point. Mm-hmm. And see, and, and to be honest, actually, at that point, knowing that he's going to lose that ability, that for me was heart wrenching. Just mm-hmm. like knowing that that one trait about him that I, I liked is now going to be going away. Right. Do you think that's what made him a sympathetic character? Because no. there are some other movies that have this like kind of anti-hero protagonist, and I could care less about them. But this one, I still kind of cared no, about. No, he's ca- no, he's charismatic. I mean, that's maybe the one and most important thing that makes him a compelling character is that he's extremely charismatic. I mean, it, it, what, I would what's, agree and entirely. What's, and what's charismatic about him? Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that. Um He's charismatic. He's not likable, but when he comes back from the Ludovico, Ludovico treatment, mm-hmm. he um, you, you feel bad for him when mm-hmm. he's going through all this. The, you do feel for him as a character. And I don't know whether that's because well, you spent the first hour of the movie with him or whatnot. Because but it's because he's an emotional a, reaction. He's, he's a victim. He's a vi- exactly. He's a victim. He is now. He is trying. He can't defend himself. It's not like he's going out there and he's. I think it would be different if he found somebody. 
that he wanted to beat up, and then as he tried to do it, it wouldn't work. Or he sees a woman he tries to rape, and he none of it. Like he is completely neutered, and, and in some way, it's pathetic. So I, I feel like think I think that there's something not- very impressive that Kubrick was able to make you feel sympathy for a guy who probably shouldn't feel sympathy. And there's something that there's a lot of craft and technique in that that should be respected in in the film in, in some in some some way. Sorry, Sharon, what were you gonna say? No, I didn't feel sympathetic for him at all. Oh, I was really? like, I want him to get his just due. Oh yeah, <laughs> I wanted it. I like that he jumped out the window. Um, <laughs> I think that the idea of oh, poor him, can't rape anyone. Seriously, guys? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. But, no, no. Look, I, I'm, I mean, I'm the kind of person. That's, that's the. That's. I mean, that's why you feel bad for we him. No, no, that is so very. Bad. That whoa, whoa. Yeah, that that is not why I feel bad whoa. for him. Yeah, so. I feel bad because I see a human being getting tortured, whether or not it's it's someone who is evil at one point, right. or it's it's someone suffering. I don't like seeing suffering, even if it's. And that's why, in fact, a lot of movies when they villainize, when they create a villain, and then like um, like a lot of movies, like uh, I actually did not see um, Inglorious Bastards, but I don't want to see it. Everyone, everyone's like, "Oh, but it's awesome, man! It's a bunch of Nazis getting killed." I'm like, I don't want to see people getting killed and tortured. It's just not my thing. It's not my jam. So oh, okay, all right. No, I don't. I don't, I don't want to see people. I just don't. I don't. I don't from a very just philosophical standpoint, I like, don't like seeing leave people. The podcast, please. <laughs> Me. <laughs> Um, so, but Sharon, at the end of the movie, um, he goes kind of back to his old ways. He is cured, so to speak, in the sense that I know. he goes back to being able to love violence again, as we, what I understood from it. Is that correct? Yes. So how do you feel about uh, that ending? I mean, is that what is your feelings towards that ending if he's you, – you wanted to see him get his justice, but at the end, he's kind of back where we started. That's true. In the book, um, America took out the last chapter where actually – Yes, he this gets was older, in my book report. and he runs into um, who is it? Pete, I think he runs into Pete, mm-hmm. and you is know Pete has groups? given up the uh, debauchery, and he's right. like, "Oh, I should give yes. up debauchery too." And he goes, gets married, and settles down. That's the real ending. Right. Oh, but Alex I do prefer the this yeah. Stanley Kubrick ending. I agree because I think it's a. I think it's pretty much it's what the rape system is like now. A lot of rapists just get like, what, six months and then they're out of there. So I felt like it was a good depiction of reality. But remember, he wasn't, he wasn't put in jail for rape. He was put in jail for murder. Oh, that's right. Accident. Cause it was the, the, the choice of it, whether right. it was accidental. It was a robbery not, and murder right? was what he was put in jail right. for. Right. I mean, that's one of the down points of this movie. When we were talking about flaws, I'm just like, where's the parole officer? Like, like they all kind of like, side <laughs> You know, sidestep. But I think he, like, he kind of struck a deal by going through that technique. That was almost like a get out of jail free card. He was he went through right. and it was literally was a get out of jail free. Card. I, I get that. I, I get that. It just kind of lost me because yeah. it just sounded like they were just trying to get through the material at that point, where you know it didn't seem like, oh well, we screwed up. Well, you smile for us, blah blah. blah. But. To answer Ivan's question, I thought the ending was appropriate, and I'm glad they kept with that, that ending. And I think, you know, well, actually what came to my mind when I rewatched it this time is that I wouldn't have mind if he had the brain washing, to be honest. There's this, um, I don't know, you guys don't watch Oprah, but Oprah did this segment <laughs> where... I assume. These, it, well, it reminded me of this Oprah segment where they have these child molesters on this child molestation island over on the East Coast somewhere. And it's like people, like, they are really attracted to kids. I'm sorry, wait a minute. A child molestation island? Yeah, Dave, Dave wants to get, Dave's looking to go. How do, see, I, how do I get to this island? His eyes lit up. <laughs> Very excited. <laughs> Well, this is a very strange island. They have this island. These people go there to stay away from kids because they know they're too attractive kids that they're going to do something bad. And, you know, like 
I kind of thought of it kind of like they've lost their lives because of this thing they can't control. And I'm like, if you know you can't control it, then I think you should have the government do something to your brain. You know, if it's something like rape and ultraviolence. Sharon, I I agreed with the... You're taking the the opposite stance of the thesis of this movie. Yeah, you're you're actively combating against... Good. You know, all right, this is good. It's what discussion comes from. So, (laughs) all right, yeah. I mean, because that is the whole crux of the argument is like, and it's saying, you know, is what's what's better? To be able to, to freely choose unimaginable horrors to your fellow man or have that choice removed from you. Yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily the thesis of the movie because at the end of the movie he's just like, well, you know, nothing's really changed. I forget the last line. It was I'm like, cured. Oh, yeah. cured. Right, he yeah. says, I was cured all right. I mean, very, you yeah. know, sort of like a sarcastic kind of... he wasn't cured at all, which right. means we're back, back to, to square one. Right, right, so, right, which, right. Which I, I guess, it, you know, the thesis of the film is like if you give choice, they go back to the scum that they are. Right. So instinct Which, is instinct. You can't change human nature. And, and this is kind of, I think what's the Brave New World, I think, is kind of does a little bit with this, too. The same idea of, like, you know, essentially humanity being predictable, safe, managed um, robots. And then, like, what is humanity? Is it better to be that way or is it better just to be, like, yeah, we're, right. we're horrific. We do horrific things. But that's kind of the point. We can freely choose things. And I, I don't know. I, I, obviously, I'm a big proponent of free will and having the ability to choose but it, it's tough when you're seeing this guy well, breaking in someone's house and yeah well they're picking they're picking the most extreme example right it's like it's yeah. like it's like uh the people versus larry flint where it's about this character who's having who has like the most extreme ex- uh form of free speech right it's stuff that most of us find kind of disgusting and i'm not talking about pretty you know naked people per se i'm talking about a lot of the um kind of the violent imagery that penthouse would would show people versus Larry Flint being the Woody Harrelson movie directed by Milos Forman, and um, and that was another movie where they were saying that you know if, if you don't have the uh, ability to let someone like me go around and and say stupid stuff, um, you know like you could compare that to Clockwork Orange if you don't if you can't let this guy go around. Not necessarily. I'm not saying it's an excuse for the you know what what Alex does in this movie, but you know they you know. They, they don't go child molestation is probably going to be you know one level up in terms of, of horrifying uh, human nature but uh, you know if you should have the ability to choose not to do certain things it, you know it means a lot more I think that's what the movie's uh, what the thesis is trying to say it means a lot more uh, it makes us more human to be able to say uh, you know I'm going to be this way I'm going to choose to to uh, make moral decisions in my life, it's like that. That I think that works as long as it's self-contained. I think the minute you start, I'm all in favor. I'm like, absolutely, you should have the choice. But when it comes down to ruining someone else's life, that's always where you know, right? Yeah, you want to drink yourself into oblivion and die in a gutter? Go ahead. Well, I think this, this, movie's, choice, a, this movie's a satire, so it's taking right. satires tend to take the most extreme examples of mm-hmm. what, what they're trying to talk about. I, I have a question that I want to address in this movie, and I like to call it the Scarface Syndrome. Is why is this main character viewed by popular culture as being cool? And I say that because Sharon mentioned that this poster was in everybody's dorm room and people dress up as the Alex character in the, with the cod pieces and the, the rugby uniforms and the mascara and eyeliner. What, what attracts people I don't know. to, and like, I'm, 
I'm to curious like too. Like, oh, I, I feel like I I'm see I hated him in the beginning. I wanted to, I wanted to jump into the screen and be the crap out of him. So I'd love to know from okay, people well, like no, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean is it just what? Just I mean, freedom? Just his? No, 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 no. Not, not, nothing uh, that um, that general. I would say there's specific moments where you can you could really see. Okay, so there's this moment in the movie, the beginning of the movie, where you first see him kind of in this dark tunnel. Uh, him and his uh, three. Drugs. Friends, they're called Drugs in the movie. This movie has its own language called Natsat, which is kind of a mix of uh, Russian and Cockney and um, I guess slang. I, uh, slang, right? It's a slang. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's this look on Malcolm McDowell's face. It's a kind of a profile shot, and he's so still, but also so uh, the way he the way he speaks is just so deliberate. Um, there's, I mean, you can't watch that scene and think, wow, this guy has... You can't take your eyes off him. There's something about his eyes. There's something about his stillness. There's something about the kind of fluid movement of when he's, uh, you know, when he's moving. Uh, you I know, when he's... So, there's, I think, okay, I think people were really into uh, Alex because of that first shot. That first shot was like, I don't know, five, six minutes long. He's not moving. That, he yes. looks great. Okay, I, it's I, yeah. a great reveal. You mm-hmm. haven't seen anything like it. And so mm-hmm. I think people celebrate him by celebrating or celebrate that first shot by Wait, celebrating so your theory Alex. your theory Sharon is that people are so enamored by the craft of the film that they immediately take it to respect the character is that what you're saying no 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 I'm talking only the first shot oh, so well the first, first shot, shot I think really sets him up as like a king of an empire yeah. he's mm-hmm. sitting on essentially a throne it's mm-hmm. that slow shot of you can see you know everything's like laid out before him there's mm-hmm. like those naked mannequins he's got right. his you know right and left hand men right. on either side of they're him they're hanging out in a, in a bar essentially it's a bar right. that serves like drugs that up shot's milk. amazing because it yes. starts off yes. close up to his face and then you know it's that big pullout where you know more, oh he's with his friends oh he's in a oh wait there's naked ladies what there's mm-hmm. other people in here? and he like doesn't move and he's very yeah, and right. he's, he's very, very still. he's like still he's like right. the, yeah, yeah he's very uh, yeah. still very still he's very confident you know and I think it's it's I think it's even uh, and people I don't go on record and say I think that the camera it's a low angle sh- uh, 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 shot up at him he looks strong he look it's 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 designed so that he looks. Mm. No, I, well, I mean, he, you're right. It is mm. constructed so that it looks strong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's like a head-on shot where it just zooms it just straight zooms back, back, zooms straight back. But well, it's like I think it's slightly below, below eye line, though. Is what mm-hmm. I, I think. That, well, they didn't really have much choice. That doll, that dolly was a wheelchair, <laughs> which is amazing as well. When you think about how Fantastic. Low, when you read about how low budget this movie, it was pretty. Wait, impressive. Sharon, talk talk about a little bit about that. That sounds interesting. Good. Oh, uh, this was a low budget movie. They couldn't afford a lot of things, yeah. so they did all natural light. Um, wheel, dollies were wheelchairs. Wait, everything was practical. Wait, they had very few sets. Very few sets. Everything was actually shot on location. The only so set about I, the milk bar. What the, the milk bar that? was the only set constructed. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So everything is uh, like that. Theater was a real theater. The hospital was a real hospital. Okay, all the homes so, were real homes. So, but then they didn't put any extra light in the scene. I believe not. Just... I believe it's all shot naturally. Wow. Wow. I didn't know that actually. Um, wow. I, think, I think that from some of the night scenes, I would assume there has to be some additional yeah. light sources, but still. It's really impressive. The tunnel probably is but one just of them. to just to get back on track real quickly to answer my own question about what it <laughs> Since no one else answered it for you. Well, here's my <laughs> thoughts um, about this whole business. Yeah. Um, I think that there is some joy in seeing bad people be extremely bad that when we watch movies and like a really great villain is just really entertaining to watch, and I think that's Alex. He's the 
it's the optimal anti-hero. Like, what? Uh, why do we watch shows about, like, now, the Dexter. most popular thing about shows is anti-hero. Shows right. that are about people that are inherently bad mm-hmm. people, but we, we're fascinated by them. And I think that's what Alex is. He's interesting and charismatic enough that you don't have to contone his actions to be sort of enamored by him. And I think he's a lot, the world is enamored by him as well with his his followers, his droogs, and, you know, he's able to pick up those two women at the record store. You know, th- there's something about him. He's got a certain... He has a certain charisma. Mm-hmm. That, well, that see, what's interesting is I think, and I, I, I'll say two things, and this is just personal preference. I, I, anti-heroes and villains never work for me except in contrast to a hero. So I, I don't enjoy watching villains doing villainous things. I like watching them do villainous things because I know the hero's got to go up against them. Mm-hmm. What At about a show point, like Breaking Bad? Breaking Bad, I would argue that he is... He is that's a whole other discussion. But I feel <laughs> like you're... you're <laughs> <laughs> that I watched to kind of see it's just it's a study of the nature of evil, I'd right? Say. But it starts off with a character that is nothing sympath- like he's sympathetic. Right. I don't think he's an anti-hero in the beginning. He's right. a hero, it's and a, he it's becomes a distinct an change. Yeah. yeah, right. So oh, because Alex starts out evil. Right. It's a distinct upward, right. upward or downward slope. And, uh, yeah, where with, I, with Alex, it's, it's like a, a, it's, a it's the opposite. Right? Yeah, yeah for you? me, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. Like what's interesting for me is a villain coming to terms with his own villainy and it kind of like is, is his right am I doing the right that's interesting for me just because I'm a boring person I don't like I like good triumphing unfortunately what you, but what do you think of R.P. McMurphy from One Flew or Cuckoo's Nest oh, I love that book and I love yeah. movie, in the movie but see I don't I don't think I would not paint him as an anti-hero I paint him as a hero because he's he's well, a hero actually he's yeah. also he was actually put in prison no, for rape that there's was, all these books about him being the first real anti-hero but isn't the true evil person in that movie Nurse Ratchet? Yeah, well, exactly. So yeah. she sets up that that institution as pure evil. There's nothing redemptive. The only redemptive act uh, character in that whole combine is the chief. Is no, not even chief. Is the, one of the doctors, Doctor Spivy. Everyone else is practically evil. Everyone's painted as evil. So I would say that McMurphy is not an antihero because none of that's good. I'd say he's just the hero, and he's the kind of hero that's crass and whatever. But he's still, I'd say, the protagonist. Not a protagonist, but. We're getting, off, we're getting off the rails here. Yeah, we're going on twelve. No, Chief, Chief Well, I guess he is a pretender. Well, this, no, this, this, this I is, mean, there's a list of what heroes are and what anti-heroes are, and he felt fits that bill, just like this Alex I guy. Would not, or, I would not. I would argue against that, but no, let's let's. <laughs> we'll do. I want to do a separate podcast about that book because I love it so much. But movie. <laughs> oh, that's right. Well, the book is better than the movie. I don't even consider. I wouldn't even. Okay. Well, yeah. It's a lot. I mean, it's, it's a classic movie. I mean, but we don't yeah. have to talk about it. Hey, we should do that for a podcast. Actually, uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. That's a. Yeah, I'd like to rewatch that. Actually, me too. Me too. Look at me podcast. mixing things up. Oh. <laughs> well, let, let me get back on track for a couple other things. I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about Kubrick's style. Um, I think we should address that a, a little bit because they're they're or a that, lot. The, and also the world that he creates because supposedly this is a futuristic society but it's so laughably not futuristic by today's standards but I'd argue that doesn't matter because it's like he's created this weird alternate 70s techno universe where this was the future like oh Oh, this is the future in this sub world, mm-hmm. and I yeah. find that very interesting. There's nothing that really, de- there's nothing really in this movie except for maybe the haircuts and maybe some like the way the film stock looks, where you can look at it and say like, oh, this is definitely a seventy. Yeah, or the I, clothes I thought, though, his suit you know. is so seventy. Yeah, okay, at, at parts, at parts, I agree with David. Though. There's a lot maybe. of stuff that's not like okay, in the milk bar, the, the words on the wall are pretty seventies or whatever. But overall, I, I agree with Dave. I feel like it is very, it it has its own distinct feel right. from the seventies. There's seventies influences. On it, but I don't mm-hmm. feel like right. Everything. Like there's no you know, the, the music is classical music. Um, yeah. You know, there's nothing that 
there are some elements that obviously make it feel like it's a 70s movie and it's impossible to see this movie and not know that it was you know if someone is going to see this movie now they're going to know that it was made in the 70s they're not going to think wow when was this movie made you know 1930s 1980s you know and I'll say I think actually one of the best things in the movie for me that had had going for it was I think the sets are, are great I think locations are great. Mm-hmm. I think the locations um, are phenomenal. Yeah. Like these really interesting, like all even the houses have this very weird retro seventies look, mm-hmm. where everything's centered in the frame. Mm-hmm. He loves symmetry as a director. And yeah. If you watch a lot of Kubrick films, you'll notice this. But everything's got this one point perspective. The idea yeah. that there's one focal point and all the objects go in. Even that opening shot. Yeah. Alex mm-hmm. is the center of that frame, and mm-hmm. everything is pointing in at him right. as as the movie goes on, which is it, it is really interesting. Um, Dave, do you want to talk about the style a bit? Yeah, well, I mean, Kubrick is very methodical, very, very, uh, he's very, very um, heavy in his research, and I think uh, he's legendary for doing, you know, a lot of takes and being very uh, thorough with all of his research. So I feel like everything in this movie, to me, when I watch it, feels very purposeful. There's nothing that feels accidental about it. Um, So in terms of style, I think that... uh, you know, I think he was approaching. I think you could have read this book and you could have approached it a number of ways. And I think he approached it as almost like a parable, a fantasy. Uh, and I think he filmed it that way. I think the, the wide-angle lenses that he used, I think, you know, makes it feel kind of very, um, you know, wide-angle lenses. I think of the Coen Brothers. I think of um, some, maybe sometimes Scorsese. Um, kind of make things feel more than real. And I, I don't know why I'm blanking on the actual word. Um, hyper real, hyper real. Thank you, yeah. hyper real. Makes it feel hyper real, not surreal. No, definitely not surreal, but but hyper real. I would say um, uh, the style of acting. I think you know, definitely Cooper. I'm, I'm sure had you know a lot of a lot to say about how people were going to act in this movie, and and um, you know everyone from the um, the prison guard who kind of yells everything to his friends who are kind of like constantly giggling like hyenas. Um, you know, every, Just like hyenas, you know everything yeah. kind of fits into this very particular style of of, of hyper real, I would say, and I and I think it's because this is how uh, Alex, the character, sees the world. He kind of sees the world as this fantastical place where he can do whatever he wants and do whatever he wants, I... and. And then the tone of the movie changes, I think, in that second half. You still get a little bit of that wide-angle fantasy stuff, but um, it feels a little more drab because I think it's trying to show the world from that point of view. Like, he's he's been neutered. He's, um, you know, he's not able to be this kind of, like, he can't hear his favorite music. He can't experience the things he loves. So if you look at it from that perspective, you know, just separate yourself from the fact that what, he's, what he loves and what he likes to do are, are terrible things. You know, try to put. Your, you can, it's easy to put yourself in that position. Like, wow, if someone just took everything away that I loved. There's a small part of you that can that can watch that, uh, watch this character, and say, okay, well, uh, I, I understand what he's going through. I understand the point of this movie. I understand what they're trying to say. And um, I would. I, I, I don't know if I'd say the beginning is hyper real at all. I feel like it's surreal, actually. Now that we. Sharon I would said agree that too. because everything is no one laughs like hyenas like these guys. I feel like everything is is over the top. Exactly. Yeah. Like he's wearing the clown nose. He's running. Around. It's like absurdity in the beginning. I think, or at least not so much absurdity, but insanity. I feel like there's a lot of insanity personified. Um, I would say you know the second oh. half, maybe. Yeah. Even the guard. No guard is like gonna actually really run around like yelling. Right. Like exactly. he's over. It's like, funny. It's right. Funny. He, I, the guard I think was hilarious. Actually. Yeah. Um, Sharon, you're gonna say something. Oh, I was going to say, I think the, the tone or the, or the, I 
just the way the movie looks reminds me of have you ever seen the phantom toll booth oh, i love that book sharon this is yeah. good i like having you on the podcast this is I a like movie that. podcast uh, i love that book too Yes, it kind of felt, I do. I, felt like the Phantom so. Tollbooth or like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the original one, where it's <laughs> really... Well, and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is like this really fantastical place where you yeah. can do whatever you want. So and maybe that's I'm thinking surreal. I'm just Even though it was really, you know, very violent <laughs> and all that, but it, it had that same, you know, that tone about it. You know what I mean? No, I, I, totally, I totally feel you. I, I mean, I feel the same way. It's got this... Uh, I, I think that the Charlie and the... It's actually really Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. The, the Gene Wilder version, is that the one you're talking about? Um, oh yeah, you're right. It's Billy Wonka. The book was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The movie was Billy Wonka. There's Chocolate. definitely something about those two worlds that I know that sounds really weird. Weird because <laughs> one's a kids movie and one is maybe one of the most R-rated movies. One of the most adult time. movies. Well, they were both made around the same but time. There's something maybe the very movie. like. Yeah. There's something similar about there the is, sur- yeah. surreality to the world where people are this over-the-top caricatures of themselves, and there's a lot of craziness and insanity going on. Um, I do also want to address the topic of humor. Again, I feel bad saying that I laughed as much as I did when we were watching this movie. When did you laugh, Ivan? Just say it. You can say it. I think any scene with the guard is hilarious. Oh, yeah. The way that Alex mimics him when he's walking to get his papers. He does a little, like, leg kick as yeah. he's... Uh, it's, it's a little Charlie Chaplin-esque. It's very, it's very Charlie very Chaplin-esque. Slapstick, yeah. That all, all that slapstick stuff is funny. And I know this sounds terrible, but the fact that he murders a woman with a giant penis statue is funny. funny. <laughs> it is. You are and terrible, it's funny. terrible people. Well, it's funny because it's also... <laughs> it's supposed the, to be The things funny. that lead it's, up to it, yeah. right? I mean, the way he kind of, like, lets the thing... I mean, it's, ridic- it's a ridiculous piece of art in the first place. <laughs> and, she, and she even says it's very important piece please put it back right. it's high art like or the fact that the writer you know the the, the woman who whose wife he ended up uh, raping in the beginning he comes back and he's living with a <laughs> that guy with a what's with that guy with yeah. a humongously strong bodybuilder with just, short short shorts with, just that that's funny right and he's and it's you know funny as a film goer if you know that it's Darth Vader it's even funnier is that really good? what no way. <laughs> what <laughs> it's, it's played by he's played by David Prowse who was the guy in the suit playing Darth Vader for the first three Star Wars that's movies. That's amazing. <laughs> that is incredible. Yeah. But I, 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 there is a definite... I think that there's the entire time that Kubrick is making this movie, he is very intentionally making it humorous. I mean, there's no other way you can look at it, which is such so a weird that's, juxtaposition between you know scariness and Then that's humor. a question. Why would you so... Why would you use humor in this movie? What, what's his goal? What's his, if he's trying to make a point about... It's a satire. It's a satire. I mean, it's a satire, it, it, humor is an essential part of satire. And I, I think that, uh, you know, we, somebody spit out what another satire might be. I'm trying to... I mean, I'm, blank, I'm blanking on an actual another, uh, another film satire so somebody else can jump in. What, a satirical a, film? Yeah, any movie that's a satire. I mean, Well, I mean, what's the difference between parody and uh, satire? Because is a Mel Brooks movie satire or is that parody? Well, that's parody, I it would say. It is parody. Yeah. Now, satire yeah. is like a thank you for smoking, I guess. Right, right. Or like, everyone smoke! Yeah! Right. The whole movie's you know? sarcastic Versus, like, in its tone, I think. The insider's yeah. like this deep, deep dive into, like, taking down the smoking company. But, like, so. why... But why, why choose that as a director why would you go and this is just I'm just discussing well, well, Sharon, I'm not, you, I, not that I don't know I'm saying why, why would you guys choose Sharon, something okay so Dr. Strangelove I, I don't know why I, I, I completely blanked on this but Dr. Strangelove which you've seen Satirical, yeah. is one of the best Fair satires yeah. ever made and uh, I think that's just just his uh, choice it's just I, I think yeah I think I think when it came to movies he, he, he would lean towards very dry um uh, you know, subjects like uh, 2001 isn't a dry sub. I'm not, dry is the wrong word. You know, his movies surreal. His, his Sur- ten, <laughs> no, no, his movies tend to go from from um, 
very, uh, very serious to very, very satirical. So like Dr. Strangelove is very, very satirical. So is A Clockwork Orange. A movie like Full Metal Jacket kind of ha- it has an interesting mix where one half is kind of very serious. And maybe one half is very satirical. Um, if you guys have seen Full Metal Jacket. Sharon wants that- to say something. Go ahead. <laughs> Sharon wants am, am desperately I, to say am something. Am I wrong? I oh, mean, no, 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 no. I was just saying uh, to Anne Thriven's question about the. I thought it. Was, I thought it was funny. I think, me personally, I think Kubrick does it to um, not take it so seriously. I, I, you know, because these are really, really graphic acts. So mm-hmm. to go from like you know someone ser- the serious writer and the serious wife. You know, and tearing their lives apart versus this wife comes out of this time capsule. <laughs> have an egg in the ground. Like, <laughs> right. I think it takes the edge off. Same right. with this it, woman some- who has obsessed with penises for whatever reason. Like, <laughs> out of all the places he goes to, you know, there's the malls to check. She picked this, like, weird yoga Pilates woman. <laughs> there's something palatable about it, in, in, in a way. Like, yeah. it, makes it, it makes it stomachable. Because, like, imagine this movie if it was directed by, um, who's the guy that directed that really... Uh, a more, and he—he's uh, a Michael Haneke. Mike, what if he made this movie? Right. Well, it would be very different, right? It would be the most depressing three-hour slog through <laughs> right. anything ever. And here's here's that's like that uh, Lee Schreiber film on Showtime. Uh, I forget what it's called. It's about this fixer, and I can't watch Ray it Donovan. because I haven't seen it's it. It's just so serious all the freaking time. Hmm. Whereas like Breaking Bad, there's some bad stuff happening, but at least. You know, when Jesse says bitch or, you know, yeah, well, but I, yeah, but I wouldn't. I mean, it kind of breaks that tension. But there's a difference between comic relief and a satire. Like, Breaking Bad is not a satire. It's like right. it's very, very serious when it wants to be serious, and then it has bouts of raw company. One, an- another science fiction movie, because I would also classify this as a science fiction movie in, in some ways, um, that popped into my head was Total Recall. And you can compare the approach. I don't know if you've seen the remake. I would not recommend it. <laughs> but, but there's the Arm Schwarzenegger version of the 80s that was directed by Paul Verhoeven that has very a very sense. satirical edge to it. And the new, gritty, modern reboot, which is a pretty terrible movie. And, um, and I, I think the approach to that kind of material sometimes needs a light touch, which I guess A Clockwork Orange kind of has. I mean, it's you know, it, it's, it's weird to say that this movie has... Uh, there's some light elements to this movie, but... Uh, I think there is. There are. Dark humor satire is really hard to pull off. Like, uh, Verhoeven was trying to do that with Starship Troopers, and that <laughs> I hated Starship Troopers. Do you st- even I, though I, I think know everyone, it's a satire. everyone thinks it's everyone else thinks it's a serious movie. I think right, that's well, why that, it got it tanked so bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I thought it was serious, and I really enjoyed it. Now I enjoy it for being satirical. <laughs> so yeah. Well, yeah. That, that that's a movie that's cha- just like well, it's changed its opinion. That movie is viewed differently now than it was uh, fifteen or so years ago. I think. Starship Troopers. When you say hated that movie, does that mean you still hate that movie? Um, I hated it when I watched. Well, because I can't stand Denise Richards. It's just oh like, well, I don't know if that was on purpose. <laughs> wooden acting. So anything with wooden acting, I can't stand. I I might try to watch it again. My boyfriend loves that movie though. Yeah. Does anyone? Uh, well, I guess we're, we're actually nearing close to an hour now, so I thought we'd maybe kind of start kind of saying our final thoughts about this movie. It's, it's heralded as a classic. It was kind of overlooked when it comes to awards because it was nominated for a few things, but I don't think it won anything. Did no, it? I don't think so. No, um, so. picture, director, or screenplay. It was, uh, yeah, nominated for five five things. Yeah. I don't remember. I know picture and director were so, definitely right. so. Kind of going around, starting with Mike. What are your final thoughts on this movie? You seem to be like, eh. Yeah, eh. I mean, it's 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 good to talk about, but I'm 
Sorry, I'm committing heresy. Film heresy. No, here. I, mean, I, don't know. I, I, I suggest mean, looking at this movie again, like a few years, and go back. Go I back. guess so. I mean, I, I, I see everything you guys are saying. It's just like I don't know. It wasn't really super effective for me. I don't think it really had a conclusion. Maybe it wasn't supposed to have a conclusion as far as a philosophical question. But I, I don't know. It was, it was all right. I, and even Doctor Strange Love, I, I think, is it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I, I, I suspect I see more oh, Kubrick man. stuff. I want to see 2001 so bad. I think I just I know, saw some like, of. Ivan Soul leave his body. Yeah, he <laughs> did. He pained over I there. Just know that if you see 2001, you're going to I, hate it. So, so yeah, don't wait, see really. Am I, am I going to hate don't it? I mean, there's a 30 minute sequence of just flying through stars. No, you know, but you know, though, I don't mind slow movies as long as I, I think actually I'm going to like that one. I don't. I don't know. Oh, wait, um, this I think you're like The Shining of all his the best. Yeah, another one I haven't seen. I, I want to see that. Oh, one. you haven't seen that? Have yeah. you seen Full Metal Jacket? No. Oh, that's another one okay. you like a lot. Those, okay. and those are all three that I, I got on my Netflix queue. I just got to get around to doing it. I, I think. I think if I were to recommend a Kubrick movie to you, I think I would recommend Paths of Glory. It's, it's a Kirk mm. Douglas movie from the uh, late fifties. Black and white. Black and white. Mm. Um, I would. Uh-uh. I, have you seen that? Not seen it, Dave. Sorry, uh, Sharon. Sharon. No, no, I haven't, but I don't know about Mike and Black and White. Oh, what the hell is this? No, I I love Black and White. No, 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 I'm issuing a challenge. I'm just saying I I think that... uh, A challenge. I can't handle it. Based based on your reaction to this movie, because Passive Glory is a very different movie. There's also some some humor and not not necessarily satirical elements to that movie, but it's uh, it's a movie about World World War I and about the uh, extreme um, lengths that governments will go to... I don't, I don't want to I, get too far. I'll, I'll say this about Paths of Glory for Mike, you, Mike. I think that you will be more engaged by the story because mm-hmm. it has a, a clear beginning, middle, yeah. and end, mm-hmm. and it tells a very. I, mm-hmm. I would argue, I would agree with you that Clockwork Orange is almost like it's a message movie. Mm-hmm. It's about ideas. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, like, hey guys, what if? Yeah, and you're yeah. like, all right, well, but what are you saying? It's What's very, like? He, he didn't want to. I don't feel like he wanted to. Yeah, it's a movie that is born for discussion, but I can right. understand why it would turn a lot of people off. Does, it, yeah. does anyone know what a Clockwork Orange means? Yes. Yeah. It's well, just like I mean, Right, it's just it's like strange inner workings. It's just it's an expression. I think it's an English well, it's expression. Well, the idea that you take—I mean, you're taking something organic like a human and trying to program him like a machine, right? Is that what? The, no, no, I think I think it's a matter of speaking. I think it's like a phrase, in, right? In I think it's referring to like a, uh, an unnatural state of being, right? Like something that's I think, though, against I think nature. Ivan's right. It's like taking something natural, and making it robotic, right? Um, yeah. Sharon, what are your final thoughts on the Clockwork Orange? You talking to me? Yeah. Yeah, you are. Oh, okay. are, we, are you Sharon? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yes. Are you Sharon? Oh, no, I thought David was going to go next. We've been going that round robin. Um, I still think it holds up as a classic. Um, I think it's well. Here's the thing: I cannot watch a Clockwork Orange every day. The reason no, I think no. it's a classic. I like it for breakfast in the morning. I don't <laughs> no, I just it's it's like a record for a dream for me. It's just like I can only take it every couple of years. Hmm. Um, I don't think I, I don't think I could see that one again. I don't actually. think I could ever watch Record for a Dream ever again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ever again. I mean, I think it's a phenomenal movie. I never need to see that movie ever again. Right. But I mean, like, but you agree? It's a pheno- It's I think it's one of those phenomenal movies. I just can't watch all the time. Right. Well, there's um, some movies. That are actually rewatchable, and I think this is one of them. I think Requiem for a Dream is, you know, <laughs> it's a one-timer. It's no, maybe one or two-timer. No, no. Not for well, you, Mike, obviously, because you didn't, you didn't really enjoy. And we're all three of us are male as well, so it's yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, but I mean, that's how I feel. I, I mean, I think both movies are great. Um, I think each time I watch this movie, I come out thinking about morality again, which I think smells a great movie. 
Yeah. You know, um, you know, I went to go see Need for Speed the other day, and I'm like, eh. And then I went on a <laughs> see, that's, went a, that's on my a way, thinking right? man's movie, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I was going to say, Need for Speed is going to hold up in the annals of time. <laughs> yeah. uh. But, you know, this movie, like, when you watch it, you, you study it, you, you're interested in how he came up with these designs. Like, the mom was had purple hair, mm-hmm. and, you know, the, sh- the how did he do that? Speaking shot? of, like, Sharon currently shot? has like, blue streaks of color in her hair so. oh yes I do I, I um, but uh, I mean I, I, I think it's it's to be studied and studied many multiple times I mean the, it's kind of like you know the there's a lot of things he does in here that you don't see movies before it you sure. know and when you watch like a really old 70s movie it's just like oh god it's so dated and even though this comes off a little dated it's really not that dated it really, I, I really think you're not too turned off by it. The only thing I was kind of turned off by was the car driving because it's obviously that. You know, oh yeah, But I kind of love that about it, though. I mean, no, I, I agree with you. That's, I think that's it one adds of the, to the surrealness of the movie. Yeah. I think it's this really <laughs> surreal sequence. But yeah. Dave, well, I mean, oh, you, you, oh, I'm sorry. Well, I mean, you see people who copy many of these. You know, that's that same Martin Scorsese style on the. The round table, it's just like, you know, Kubrick's slow dolly shots. Like, people try to replicate, and they can't do it the way he can. Right. Um, that's I mean, he did there's like a reason he goes 74 <laughs> takes. Yeah. Huh? I was going to say that's because yeah. he did like 100 takes and until he got it right, right? Right. You know, not a lot of people have that type of patience. Right. And not a lot of people you work with has that type. And I think it pays off. I really think it pays off in this movie and all his other movies. I will. Say, I think this is my favorite Kubrick movie out of all of them. It's yeah, um, a, a bold statement, and I might go so far. I mean, I, I, it, I've always had trouble picking my favorite Stanley Kubrick movie, but this is definitely in my top three. I would say, uh, and you know, I agree with Sharon. I think, uh, I think there's a reason we're talking about this movie today, forty uh, some years later. Uh, I think that, I think that its uh, influence has been profound, and um, you know, there's there's a reason why antiheroes are are uh, a popular thing in in literature and TV and movies. Um, and I think this movie does it pretty well. I mean, very well. Cool. So I think that this movie does it pretty well. A good closing statement. <laughs> pretty well. Pretty, it does it damn well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. just going to say that. I'm just going to. I'm, I'm taking the, the far opposite stance of, of Mike. I'm, I'm with Sharon. I think this movie is a classic. I think it's to be studied. I think it's the kind of movie that you know. There's a reason why it's hanging in on po- the posters are hanging on film students' wall walls. So. So, uh, closing out this uh, podcast, if you want to view us on the web, or sorry, reach us on the web, you can go to reviewedpodcast.com and also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast. And also, um, if you're listening to this, give us a review on iTunes. I keep on forgetting to mention that, but that's... Give cool. us a good review on iTunes. No, if you no. got a bad one, you can no, just... I'll take the one stars. I don't really care. Yeah. Nope. Okay, that's a Dave won't. really rambled a lot on this podcast. <laughs> that's every podcast. That's what people are listening to. That's why they come here. Um, before we close out, I just want to give you gentlemen a chance, and lady, to give it uh, a chance to uh, say where people can find you on the internet if you care to do so. Uh, Mike, where can people find you on the web? You can find me at MikeMirandi.com and on Twitter at MikeMirandi. Dave, uh, go. Twitter, Dave Glanz, G-L-A-N-Z, and DaveGlanzProductions.com. Sharon, do you have anything you want to pimp? Uh, let me see. Uh, Twitter at Holy Shiza Yo. That's Holy Shiza. That's like Holy You're Shit in German. That one. Oh, oh, can I not say just shit on this podcast? You just said it three times. <laughs> so, no, this, is not, this is not an NPR podcast. You can say what you uh, want. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I have articles on whatculture.com about movies. Awesome. And you can uh, 
what am I trying to say? Find oh, you. you. Find me at, at <laughs> Ivan Kander on Twitter. My website is LuckyNightStudios.com, and I write for a website. I'm an editor for a website called ShortOfTheWeek.com, so you can check out my writing there. Um, thanks for joining us, Sharon. I think this was an interesting That's conversation. Cool. Thanks, because, Sharon. You know, we all like the movie and Mike hated it. So that just proves <laughs> so much. Uh, but uh, thanks so much for watching, everybody. We'll catch you next time. I believe we're going to be watching The Fugitive. Is that correct? I think so. Okay, sure. so the Harrison Ford. Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones classic. <laughs> so we'll see you next time, guys. Bye. Bye-bye.